0: Have you ever said, I swear I won't, insert thing you think you'll never do here? We all do it, right? We all have these notions of things that we would never do. Like, that's just not me, right? Maybe you can relate. Funny story, when I was a kid... I swore to my parents that I would never get a nose ring because I thought they were weird and gross and I was probably like eight years old and my parents actually made me write it down on a piece of paper and sign and date it saying you know Katie says she never wants to get a nose ring because I think they maybe had a bit of a premonition that that could change and here I am at uh, 26 years old with a nose ring. And I love it. And I think it looks cool. And I think that's just a funny example of the kind of stuff that you think, I'll never do that. And then uh, it ends up becoming a part of your personality. (laughs) And you know, we don't just do this in life. We also, of course, do this in business. When I was just starting out with my business, there were so many things I swore I would never ever do. But guess what? Today, I am doing them. So in today's episode, I wanted to share with you three big things that I swore I wouldn't do in my business that I am definitely doing now and how much they changed the game and ultimately allowed me to continue to grow and scale my business to a new level that I wouldn't have imagined back when I was swearing I wouldn't do this stuff. So if you want to hear about the areas of transformation in my business and how much they changed my trajectory of growth, then keep on listening, my friend, because we're going to dive into it. Welcome to the Creator Club podcast produced by Creatorly Media. I'm your host, Katie Steckley. I'm a side hustle YouTuber turned six figure CEO that's obsessed with social media, making content and building communities. Here on the Creator Club podcast, we dive deep into the social media and content creation strategies that are important to you as a creator. Whether you want to grow on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, or with a podcast, we've got advice for you. So stay tuned for my workshop style solo shows and the occasional expert interview. Oh, and by the way, this club is open to everyone. Whether you have one or one million followers, there's a seat for you at the table. So let's get into it. Welcome, welcome back to the Creator Club Podcast. It is great to be checking in with you all. I'm really hoping that in today's episode, I don't sound too congested for you because I am currently recovering from covid yes unfortunately it does seem like it uh comes for us all but i'm feeling good now and uh excited to chat with you about these things that when i set out in business i really did not think i would ever do and it was kind of hard for me to even picture myself making these changes um because it just seemed intimidating. And like, I was like, look, I've got my ways. I know what I'm doing. It's working for me right now. But I think, you know, hopefully these three things that I'm gonna chat about will be illustrative to you of how, you know, maybe when we start out, we don't always know exactly what our path is gonna be. And sometimes these things that seem really big and scary end up working out just fine. So let's talk about it. And maybe you'll relate to some of these areas where I felt a little resistant to change. So the first thing that I swore that I would never do in my business was actually pay for online subscriptions. Now, I know that might sound really funny and like really cheap, um, but to give you some context, in the very beginning of my online business journey, I was a student. So I was like a full-time student in university studying English. And I had this dream of starting an online business. And at the time, this would have been like 2015, 2016, I saw a lot of people kind of making it big in the blogging world and selling courses. And so I wanted to try my hand at that. So I actually kind of got into the world of like hosting webinars and like trying to like you know co-launch a course with somebody else and like all of these honestly kind of two high level business tactics for where i was at in my journey but that's almost a story for a different day but the point is i was kind of just starting out in the world of online business and i was seeing how a lot of established online entrepreneurs were doing things and of course i saw that they were paying for stuff But as a kind of broke slash cheap student, I wanted to find every possible way that I could to avoid actually having like recurring monthly expenses, which, you know, totally makes sense, especially for a full-time student. Like I already was trying to pay my tuition, so I didn't want to have, you know, several monthly charges racking up on my credit card, especially on a business that wasn't yet making me any money. And I think that a lot of people start from this position, right? When you first kind of get your business up and running, whether it's, you know, a more traditional in-person one or like an online business, you really want to limit your expenses because that's just coming right out of your own pocket, right? It's not like, you know, it's a line item on the expenses of your business that you're taking out of your revenue or whatever. It's something that you have to just invest in. um, And, you know, at the time, it's kind of like, it feels like a hobby, right? Like when I was first starting my blog and stuff back in like 2015, it it really was a hobby for me. And so I had to think about whether I had the personal budget and like, you know, my personal checking account to uh, pay for a hobby. And at the time, um, I was like, no, I decided I was going to be cheap about it. And I think part of that too is that um, I had, you know, some sense of, of ingenuity and, and like bootstrapping and I wanted to figure out how I could do this stuff for free. So there's lots of different ways that I that I figured this out. So like for example, a lot of platforms have a free version, right? Let's say Canva, you know, that's a great one. There's a lot of stuff that you can do for free in Canva or Notion is another one that I use a lot. Uh, There's various email marketing platforms that have a kind of free trial version. And so in the beginning, this is like what I really stuck to. I thought to myself, like, why would I ever pay for something when I can just use the free version and I would like really go out of my way to try to find like royalty free you know music for my videos Like I did not want to have to pay like a monthly subscription to something like Artlist, Which like I do now uh, because I just really was trying to keep my expenses low and so I spent a lot of time seeking out the cheap or free way to do stuff. But here's where the problem comes in. If you keep using just the free version for everything after you kind of get your business up and going, you kind of end up getting in your own way of being able to scale and see the kind of big results that you're looking for. So here's the thing, these free services have limitations and these limitations can prevent your business from growing in some cases. So just as a very basic example, let's talk about Notion for a minute. Notion, if you're not familiar, is kind of like a task and project management uh, application. It's super customizable um, and people use it for everything from like a personal daily planner to like school tasks to running a business. Like I use it to run my whole business. And like I was saying, it has a free version, which is perfect if you are just a one person show, like especially let's say if you're a student or you're just using it for your personal life, like that's great to use the free version. But if you ever decide to have a team, like if you want to have more collaborators on your Notion account, then you have to pay for that. You have to pay for each user that you add to your Notion space. Email marketing is another great example where a lot of applications in this area run similarly, where you have a free version, but they limit you to a small number of email subscribers. So once your business starts to grow, they require you to pay more and more as your subscribers grow. That's a super common sort of pricing scheme with email marketing software. You pay more as the more subscribers you have. Um, But just a side note, if you are thinking about getting an email marketing platform, I personally recommend Flowdesk. That's what I've been using for the past little while, and I love it. Um, And one of the greatest features is um, it's one price no matter how many email subscribers that you have, and it's very affordable. In fact, if you use my affiliate link, then you can get this for just around like $20 a month indefinitely. No increases, unlimited subscribers. I love it. I I was able to really, um, bring down my email marketing bill from like over $100 a month to $20 a month by switching to Flowdesk. Um, The link's going to be in the show notes. But see, the thing is back when I first started my business, I wouldn't have even wanted to do the $20 a month one. I would have been like, you know what, I'm going to use MailChimp for free and then just keep calling my email list to keep it under a thousand people. Like that was the kind of lengths that I went to to avoid having any expenses in my business. And you know, That's fine when you're first starting out, but there comes a point when the balance is not there anymore. You're spending so much time trying to just work with like the free version of the app or trying to like find the cheapest way to do things where your time would have been better spent developing your business in some way coming up with new paid offers doing more marketing efforts you know reaching out to people and doing sales calls rather than just trying to like really you know save your pennies here and there by doing the free or like lower paid version of different subscription services another great example of this where a lot a lot of my time was spent because I didn't want to pay for something is when I was kind of in the early to mid stages of growing uh, creatorly with like the agency, basically and our clients and providing social media services, I was working completely with just, an email address so like communication contracts agreements packages keeping track of the progress of where clients were at with our services like everything was just in these never-ending email chains and saying that this was overwhelming would be an understatement there was no structure and honestly i probably lost so many client opportunities from just not having a system and not being organized like if somebody would come into my inbox asking about services and then you know i would reply to them but then they would never reply back to me it would just get lost in the sauce because i didn't have anything documenting like when was the last time i talked to this person and you know what kind of package are they looking for so it really was not the way to be doing things but of course it was like the free or cheap way of doing it right so i fought so hard should keep doing this because i was being cheap and i didn't want to pay for something better before i finally made the decision to set up dubsado which is my business management system so basically DevSado provides support in storing and getting signatures on contracts, scheduling meetings with clients, invoicing, storing your client details, and it even allowed me to place an application on my website to collect potential client info. So before where I just said, if you're interested, email, you know, hello at katiesteckley.com or whatever, but now like on the Creatorly Media website, there's a form that you can fill out if you want to become one of our clients and then everything is neat and tidy and stored and not forgotten. And the silly thing is that, like, I even hate to admit, is, like, Dubsato only costs, like, $40 a month. But that's just to give you a sense of how cheap your girl was. I was like, I don't even want to commit to that. But I am so glad I did. And it is, like you know worth it tenfold and you know what at the time i actually even hired a consultant to help me get my Debsado set up because i was so intimidated by the software because like it is a little bit in depth it's a little bit complicated now that i did those sessions with the the Debsado consultant though like i feel really confident with it and it was a really really good investment to make. So if you're thinking about switching over to Dubsado, then I've got to shout out Charlotte Isaac because she was the consultant that I work with who did um, a session with me teaching me how to get my Dubsado set up and learning sort of my current workflows and translating that into something that could be more automated with Dubsado. So if you're thinking about setting something like this up in your business, I would highly recommend checking out Dubsado and then also checking out Charlotte Isaac on Instagram. I'll leave her link in the show notes um, because she was super helpful to me in getting that automated. But I think that's a perfect example of how years ago in my business, I never would have considered paying $40 a month for something that I thought, Oh, well I can just do this with email and spreadsheets and I'll figure it out myself. And I certainly wouldn't have considered paying somebody, you know, several hundred dollars or whatever for, like, a custom consultation to set up systems in my business. Like, I would have thought, no way, Katie, you can figure it out on your own. Why would you pay somebody for that when you can just, like, spend a bunch of hours, dig into it, and get it sorted out? And, you know, like, it is true. Like, could I have figured out Dubsado by myself? Yeah, I probably could have, but it also probably would have taken me four or five times the amount of time that it took for Charlotte to get me set up and going. And so I think that once you kind of get further along in your business journey, when it comes to this resistance to pay for stuff, you start to realize the value of your time and where sometimes paying an expert to help you or paying for a subscription to a software that's going to save you time is so, so worth it. But I totally recognize it's easier to feel like it's worth it when you have some revenue coming in. And I think that was the biggest shift for me is back in the day when I swore I wouldn't like pay for these subscriptions, I didn't, I wasn't making any money. I didn't have any revenue coming in. So once I, you know, used those kind of bootstrapping methods to do everything super cheap and I was able to acquire some clients, then I started to feel better about spending the money on subscriptions. But I think definitely in a few cases, had I started doing this a little bit earlier, I probably would have saved a lot of time and been able to grow a little bit faster so that's the first thing i swore that i would never pay for stuff and uh, you know what now your girl is paying for a lot of different subscriptions and i feel like it's very worth it another thing that i swore i wouldn't do is hire anyone this is really a two-part thing for me so there's a part of me and i feel like a lot of other business owners can probably relate to this that really felt like no one else could really care for my business the way that i do no one else would you know be able to execute at the same level that I do for my clients, for my business, etc. you know like, and I think that's something that a lot of people worry about. you really pour a lot of time unpaid time, like I was saying in the last one, into growing something and you feel really connected with it. You feel really responsible for it. It's like your baby, right? So you start to feel concerned that if you hire someone, they just, you know, maybe wouldn't understand the vision or wouldn't be able to deliver it to the clients in the same way that I do. I think that this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And the thing is, to some extent, it is true. Like no one is ever going to be an exact duplicate of you, we're all unique Um, but eventually I realized that there are some people out there that get this might actually even be able to do it better than you I know. It sounds like so um, conceited to like admit to that. But I think a lot of business owners are like any of us, you know, control freaks. Raise your hand if you out there also a control freak. You really feel like, oh, well, if I want something done right, I'll do it myself. Like a lot of us relate to that sentiment. Um, But the reality is, newsflash, there are some people out there that probably could communicate with your clients better than you do. Organize, you know, the admin of your business better than you do. uh, Maybe do marketing better than you do, whatever it is. Like we all can find people that are going to be like more qualified and like even better at some of the things that you might not like doing or, um, that you're not so great at. So once I started hiring people, I realized how many skills they brought to the table that I didn't necessarily have. And also the beauty of collaboration and how much that you can learn from each other. And also just like as a creative, having other people to connect with and relate to is such a refreshing thing when you're used to working solo. So I think that was one big reservation I had was like no one can do it like I can and then eventually you're like oh you're right Katie they can do it better so it's great to get other people on board for that reason but another big reason why I swore I wouldn't build a team and I think this is probably like more so the bigger hesitation and probably something that a lot of business owners feel like is the money right? Like you're just really scared about the finances of it all because obviously if you were to hire people, you have to pay them. Um, And that means like that's going to change the balance of your business, especially because uh, as a business owner, I definitely have felt this. You might like relate to this as well. You probably don't value your time as much as you should. So there's definitely been many a times where, you know, say on a client project, I'm getting paid X amount and then I would just work and work and work until I got it done, not keep track of how many hours I spent. And then at the end of the day be like, oh great, well I made this money. And you know, back when I was working on my own. That was like my paycheck and I felt satisfied by that. But then eventually, once you bring other people into the mix and then you have to, you know, pay them by hour or whatever, you start to realize how like, oh yeah, just working like unlimited hours on this project doesn't work out. So you really like hiring people basically brings sharply into focus the importance of like having your finances sorted out to make sure that everybody that you are paying is being paid fairly for their time, but also that things continue to work out in terms of like your profit margins. Because as a business owner, like you obviously, you need a paycheck too. You need to like buy your groceries and pay your rent and all that stuff. So you need to make sure that all of that stuff um, still balances out. And I think also a big hesitation for me was the responsibility of it all. Like it feels really scary to have other people's livelihood like in your hands to some extent you know like you feel really really responsible for them and you know ensuring that the work keeps coming in there's enough hours to go around and you know also at the end of the day knowing that if there's not as the business owner like you're the one that's out the money because you still have to pay your people whether or not there's revenue coming in so I think all of that Uh, weighed on me a lot. And I'd be lying if I said that it it doesn't weigh on me anymore. Like it, it still is a big responsibility. It's something that I think anybody that wants to like scale a business needs to consider is the importance of like prioritizing the people that do like work for you and like considering them in your decisions, because ultimately like people are putting a lot of trust in you to come and work for you. And you need to make sure that you honor that trust by, you know, really investing in making sure that they made a good decision and that you're treating them right. Like I, I just really strongly believe that. So it is a big responsibility and it's something that like I continue to think about a lot, but I think what has made me kind of make this transformation from in the past wearing, oh, I could never hire anybody. That's way too scary. It's way too intimidating to now being at a point where like, obviously I couldn't do it without having hired people. Is just understanding that like, if you want your business to grow to a certain extent and you want to be able to bring on more clients, provide more services, increase your revenue, do more things, um, you're going to need people to help. And not having a team or any help at all is very unsustainable if you want to like really grow your business. Um, It's the fast track to burnout, frankly. And if you're a frequent listener of the Creator Club podcast, then you've probably heard me talk about my own kind of journey with mental health over the past few years and how that was really directly connected to burning out with my business. And, you know, some of these responsibilities really weighing on me, but then also feeling like I just... I don't know, worked too much, kind of ran out of inspiration. So the point is, like, as much as it can seem really scary and intimidating to start to hire people and bring people on, and I do want to acknowledge, like, it is a responsibility, and I think it's something that you should take seriously. It also is something that is necessary for growth and also so beautiful because it leads to this connection and collaboration, like, Having co-workers is awesome. And I think that you know, for me as like someone who's a solo freelancer for a long time, that kind of like work camaraderie was something that I yearn for. and that's like a huge benefit of having people on your team and then also obviously the practical side of like you couldn't do the work without them. So that is kind of my story on how I went from being like I could never hire anyone to now, having a team of five lovely people who do amazing work for our clients. So I don't know. Everybody's on their own journey with that. Maybe the business you're in isn't the kind of thing that you would like need a lot of people for. I think that it all depends. I'm not the kind of person that's saying like you need to absolutely scale as big as you can possibly make it. If you feel satisfied with the amount of work that you have and that's sustainable for one person, then that's amazing. Keep that up. But if you are wanting to grow further but you're maybe feeling like either A, no one can do it like I can, or B, oh my gosh, the financial side is so intimidating, then hopefully my Personal stories of how I worked through that can kind of help you make your decision about whether you'd want to hire a team and kind of keep scaling. Okay, so let's talk about number three. The third thing, and this is like probably one of the more like big or like embarrassing or awkward things. I don't know, just hear me out. But back in the day, I swore that I would never, ever, 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 ever complain about my success. So, let me explain this a little bit. So I really said to myself, especially in the beginning, as like a creator who was struggling to grow on YouTube, um, somebody that really wanted to have an online business but like didn't really have any revenue, I swore that I would never complain about anything related to, you know, being successful online. I hate to admit it, but I remember when I was in the grind of like trying to build up my YouTube channel, trying to like build an online business, I would look at big creators who were, in my perception, on top and it would make my skin crawl when I would hear them complain about being overwhelmed with their success or complaining about their life in some way with regards to how busy they were Or, you know, being like stuck in a certain niche on YouTube or people who were like, Oh, I'm burnt out on YouTube, I'm quitting YouTube. I would like sit back and think to myself, oh my gosh, like I would just die to have a hundred thousand subscribers. Who cares what video topic, you know, you're focused on? Like, who cares what niche you're in? You should just be so, so happy that you have that attention online. Like I I hate to admit it, but I really had so little compassion for you know, who I saw as big creators feeling like burnt out or unsatisfied or unhappy in some way because I just like so, so badly wanted to be in that position. I think a lot of us can like relate to this maybe in different areas, even if like YouTube isn't your thing, but like, you know, how, if any of us see, for example, like, the Kardashians complaining about something we're like literally shut up you're a billionaire like it's fine and okay look I do agree with that to some extent but the point is we all can kind of understand like if we see somebody who has what we want let's say it's a 100,000 subscribers and then they say like oh you know having a 100,000 subscribers isn't even that great that's gonna make you angry like we all kind of like feel that right when you kind of envy somebody and then they're complaining about the thing that you're envious of like it's gonna rub you the wrong way so I always felt like oh I don't even care like I'm just gonna be so happy to have an audience like that's all I ever wanted so I just really felt like I would never ever complain about that but time for me to receive my slice of humble pie when I got a taste of my own business and YouTube success when my channel finally started to get some traction. And, you know, then my business, of course, like flourished because I hit a point where I was like kind of making content for the YouTube algorithm. I was getting subscribers, I was getting views. And so this was really like in 2020, like things really started to take off. And I started to hit some of those milestones that I had coveted for so, so long. Um, My mental health took a really big hit. And I finally started to understand a little bit of what some of these bigger creators that I had in the past been so annoyed by what they were talking about. I just kind of mentioned, you know, in the last point about burnout and how that was something that I really went through in like 2021. And a lot of that burnout was because I felt trapped in this cage that I created for myself within the YouTube algorithm. To explain that a little bit, basically, I sort of ended up in a position where even though I didn't set out to just create Instagram tips videos, I really, really felt like I was stuck in a place where all I could create was Instagram tips videos because I would try to venture out and I'd like make a video about something that I just like really enjoyed or that I found fun, like a little thrift haul or like a work from home outfits video or like a van vlog and those would flop. They flopped considerably and I I posted a number of these like last summer basically was kind of peak burnout for me and even if you go to my channel now and look back on those videos like some of them still have less than a thousand views. Um, which if you look at them compared to the other videos on my channel, you'll realize how kind of sad that is. So the point is I was feeling real frustrated because I wanted to be able to post about other stuff than just Instagram. And, uh, it wasn't really working out for me because people weren't watching it. And this is the exact kind of antics that would have annoyed the crap out of me, you know, five or six years ago when I was just dreaming of like having any kind of audience on YouTube, when I would see creators that I watched, you know, complain about feeling stuck or whatever about the algorithm, etc. I would be like, don't complain. You have so many subscribers. And then lo and behold, I found myself in that exact position. Even now though, like as much as I said, oh, I swear I would never like complain about my success. I, I really do still try to hold to that because I do understand how genuinely annoying it is to hear somebody like talk about the downsides of growth when that is like all you ever want and you're hoping for. So I don't want to come across as ungrateful or anything like that. But I also think that it is important to... Address this because even though I, I saw to some extent people talk about the struggles of being a creator back then and you know, frustrated me at the time, I think that if I would have really internalized it, it would have maybe helped me a little bit more because I really was like under the impression that if I just reached like a bigger audience, then I would be happy. That's why I kind of think it is important for creators to talk about how, like, look even if you hit hundred K subscribers, like you're still going to feel really insecure and feel like you don't get enough views. And as much as that sounds really sad and maybe like complaining or whatever, I think it's also like realistic and honest. And I think that, you know, if only years ago I would have like really internalized, like, Hey, look, getting more subscribers isn't going to make you happier. Like maybe I would have been able to just like feel a little bit more content and find happiness in where I was at the time. But some of these lessons you could only learn with time and perspective. But I'm hoping that you know for some of y'all listening if you can relate to Katie a few years ago And maybe like you're rolling your eyes and you're really annoyed right now because i'm talking about being stuck in a niche or whatever um, maybe you can learn from my experience a little bit and know that hey, yeah It's a really great goal to work towards and I believe in you and I fully support you in like continuing to seek out that audience growth But also know you can find happiness like right where you are right now and hitting these milestones of like you know, 10k, 100k, whatever it might be, like they aren't, you know, these magic spells that just all of a sudden make you feel like you're good enough or whatever. And I I do think that it's important to talk about that and be honest about that. So I guess the moral of today's podcast story is Never say never because you really never know where your creator journey is going to take you. Some of these things that right now you might feel like you'll never feel that way or you would never do that. You never know because I definitely had a big transformation in these three areas. So I think it's just important when you are making your way through this creator journey that you stay open with your ideas thoughts opinions and your feelings and know that they might change and you know at the end of the day you just got to try to go with the flow and you might be able to kind of push through some of those barriers that i bumped up against if you are kind of open to change and trying new things So thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope that it was at the very least encouraging or relatable for you. And as always, you can reach out to us at creator club podcast over on Instagram, or you can check out, you know, my own personal content at Katie Steckley on Instagram and we can chat over there. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the creator club podcast. This show is produced by creatorly media, a social media and content marketing agency by creators for creators. If you want professional help growing your social media platforms or creating your content, come visit us at creatorlymedia.com or at creatorlymedia on Instagram. If you've listened this far into the episode, we want to know who you are. Seriously, thank you so much for listening. Screenshot your podcast app and share it to your Instagram story, tagging at Creatorly Media or at Katie Steckley so that we can chat. Again, thanks for listening and remember to keep on creating. We'll catch you next time.